As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new special limited series we have coming up here on The Athletic NBA Show feed. It is called Stargazing. It is hosted by the Athletics' fantastic Lakers reporter, Jovan Buha. Stargazing is a look at the lifestyle gurus and support systems around NBA superstars. Each episode will center on one professional that represents an aspect of NBA culture. It could be fashion, it could be entertainment, nightlife, fitness, social media, as well as hear from the NBA superstars that work with these professionals. Some upcoming guests include Vince the Barber, Ronnie 2K, Rich Fresh, and B-Dot episodes of Stargazing will be released every Sunday starting on December 19th and will run through the NBA All-Star Weekend in February. That's Stargazing with our guy, Jovan Buha, Sundays right here on the Athletic NBA Show feed. And Simmons. Let's be honest, there's 29 NBA teams and then there's a G League roster with a few stars. They have a math problem offensively. Saturdays are the most fun day of the week. And with that, you get the most fun pod right here on the Athletic NBA show. It's called the Saturday Slam and Jam. You'll hear me, Andrew Schlecht, and my co-host Alex Spears break down the past week of NBA basketball bring on a smart beat writer to give you the lowdown on their team and then we have a trivia game Andrew versus the beat where I just try not to humiliate myself so when you're raking your leaves brewing your coffee or just taking care of stuff around the house listen to Saturday Slam and Jam right here on the Athletic MBA show right in your podcast face welcome to the Athletic MBA show on the Athletic Podcast Network Man, you tell them to keep having fun because everybody, you know, y'all played in the league. Everybody be like, oh, it's just a regular season, just a regular season. You're right, but you got to play the games that's in front of you. With a group that works like they do, the group that embraces some of our mantras. We talk about getting better every day. We talk about playing together. When you do those things, you end up on a stage like this. We're our city of Milwaukee, NBA champions. Yeah. It's big time. They have a math problem offensively. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartman. They have a math problem offensively. You see all these people. Wait, wait. 
Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday. Actually, I think we're coming out on Thursday. It's Nerder She Wrote. I'm Dave DeFore. Here with Seth and Mo. We've got James Edwards coming up later on in the show to do a deep dive on Cade Cunningham. First, don't forget, go to theathletic.com slash NBA show so you can get access to this pod without ads and all of the journalism and reporting and opinion that we offer over at The Athletic. Again, that's theathletic.com slash NBA show. Guys, one more thing this week was about the probe dribble. How about that, Mo? Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. And the guy who was speaking about it, pretty handsome. Yeah, um, okay. At least one of those things is true. And, and don't forget about Mo's, <laughs> Mo's Twitch stream over at twitch.tv slash MoDeKeel underscore NBA. Shout out to our listener, Thor. I, I jumped into the chat on the stream saying he came from Nerder She Wrote. So come on through, everybody. Come on through. It's a good time. Tell them Dave sent you. Uh, guys, we're going to jump right in because this is a, a massive show because James Edwards is just such a huge guest for us. And uh, we're going to jump into our favorite things. And my favorite things right now, it's the Utah Jazz. They're currently 20 and 7. They're only two and a half games behind the Warriors for the one seed in the West. Currently have a historic 117.7 offensive rating, including a 127.2 offensive rating the last two weeks. And they've absolutely just been setting the world on fire. They are tied with Golden State for the best net rating at 11.6. They've now won eight in a row, nine of their last 10. Donovan Mitchell, 29 points a game over this, this eight-game winning streak. 55-43-90 shooting splits with 9.3 three-point attempts a game. Rudy Gobert averaging 15, 14 rebounds and a couple of blocks a game over this stretch. Uh, guys, they feel like Milwaukee last season. I think they were really starting to figure some stuff out. The defense has been excellent, but this offense is nearly unstoppable in the regular season. Well, I'm not. Uh, here's the thing. I'm not buying it just yet. I, and I'm not taking anything away from Utah. Utah's rolling. You're playing great. You're blowing out teams. You're doing a great job. Not taking anything away from that. Here's my problems, Dave. One, the offensive rating stuff, that's nice. It's stat padding to a degree, right? You're beating up on a lot of you know shaky teams and things like that and all that. But also, ultimately, like just your rating, your offensive rating, your net rating, all that gets thrown out of the window come playoffs, which leads to my next issue. I want to see them experiment. That was the difference between them and Milwaukee. Milwaukee experimented with things, played with things. That's the stuff we were screaming about for the past few years. Needed to try to add a little more versatility in how they play defensively, how they play offensively. Here's my thing with Utah. They're playing the same exact way. We've seen this before. Like, this isn't like they're rolling. They're on fire. And when it's going, it's going great. And it looks amazing. And everything that goes with it, need to see them kind of experiment more. And they need to be, and to me, need to be willing to look bad while doing it. Play small. You you finally got Rudy Gay healthy and things like that. I want to see them play small. That's something that plays a role into it. Rudy Gay's doing a good job switching on guards and things like that. He's doing a good job. But you need to add defensive versatility. You need to add offensive versatility. They're just doing the same things they did last year. I 
Seth, you kind of feel the same way? Um, I mean, they've played – I mean, look, just, you know, basketball references, position estimates aren't perfect. But Rudy Gay's played about 25 minutes at center this year. So so basically of their, of their competitive games, not that much has been played without either Gobert or Whiteside. And sure, that's going to be their base. But I do agree with Mo that they do need a, a different look. Um, the thing that, that still worries me about them is they just still don't have anybody to guard – the, the the big wing creators like Royce O'Neal's too small, everyone else is too slow. Um, so you know who guards Paul George, who guards LeBron, who guards you know those type of players in the playoffs. Um, this is you know frankly who guards you know Chris Paul, who guards Reggie Jackson. I mean this the the, the perimeter ball containment has been a little bit their Achilles heel in the playoffs the last couple of years, and I don't know how much they've done to address that. I, I wish they could get Ben Simmons. You wish everybody oh. could get Ben Simmons, but well, I mean, the he's an like, incredible defender. <laughs> he's an incredible defender, and I mean, he's a monster in transition. I, he would work well. I, he can't shoot, but you know, they've got shooters. I think that could work. You'd have two of the four or five best defenders in the league. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if they can pull off a trade. Anyway, uh, Seth, what's your favorite thing this week? Uh, my favorite thing is Kevin Durant's – the word for it, I'm not sure, is like I guess competitiveness is they play a game against Toronto that maybe shouldn't have been played with with enough with, – with a bunch of guys you know, in, in protocols and they have eight guys available. He plays 48 minutes in an overtime game, throws up a triple-double. Um, we saw the same thing in the second round against Milwaukee last year. They have to play a certain way. Not only is he you know, getting every bucket on offense, but he's the guy boxing Brooke Lopez out. He's the guy keeping Brooke Lopez out of the post. Just like – that that just I don't know just being a gamer from from Kevin Durant doing whatever and even though he's giving up size and strength and he's worried about load management off of you know an Achilles injury just his ability to to, to expand and do those things that's my favorite thing this week. Do you guys remember? I, I don't know if you guys follow baseball, but CC Sabathia had the playoff run where he was in Milwaukee, and it was like he pitched every day. <laughs> or something crazy like that. That's what KD is reminding me of for for Brooklyn, where it's just like, uh, hey, we need you. Can you do this? Can you do that? He's just been their Superman this year. And it wasn't what we anticipated. We didn't think James Harden was going to be, uh, I don't know, on and off. Is that is that what we want to describe James Harden as uh, this season? shaky to start at least. And, and, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's slowly coming together with Harden, but I'm with you. Just Katie's a gamer. It's, it's it, listen, he's fun to watch period. He, you can tell when he plays basketball, he loves basketball and every aspect of it. So I'm, I'm just with Seth that he's a gamer. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
Mo, what's your favorite thing this week? Very simple, very easy, and it was just relevant the other night. I love me a game-winning half-court heave. Oh, my God. The uh, uh, New Orleans Pelicans game with Seth is upset. (laughs) Yay, uh, bank shots. I don't care, Seth. Awesome. Awesome. It was fun as hell. Cade Cunningham, or excuse me. I just think my brain is thinking something else. SGA hits a, a crazy like 38 put four, three pointer at the logo to tie the game. No timeouts. They go ahead, give it to Devontae Green. And, and granted, Devontae Graham, granted, he missed it by about a foot. It was just perfect. Hits the bank shot, drills it, game winning play. Love it. Awesome stuff. That was my favorite thing from the week. And the play. Is it going to get there? Got a foul. And they do. He got it. He fouled him. Garrett Temple tried to foul him. 1.4 to play out of timeouts. Garrett Temple reached for him. Didn't get him. And gives Shea Gilgis Alexander credit as Devontae sends it. Oh! Gets it! Gets it! The game winner! City. See, this is the this is the thing where I see these game winners in college basketball. I think Purdue lost a couple I weeks mean, ago, last week, something like that. Gonzaga um, from the Final Four with uh, Jalen Suggs. Yeah, that kind of chaos. It's fun, you know, and, and it's one of the things. I mean, March Madness is so special because basketball, as a single elimination sport, can introduce so much chaos. I think we need more of that in the NBA. A little bit more of, we need of more the, game winners, chaotic, chaotic game winners. You well, know how we get that? I mean, game you, winners. Be you, know, great. you know what? I think what Mo is agitating for. Oh no! Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. You know, it's, I, there's listen, a certain ending that that gets you there more often. That's all. I'm no, because I also the like the defensive ending. block to win the game. I like the defensive stand as get the stop to win the game. I love all of those things there, Seth. I just love the end of game situations. I don't need to fabricate a fake ending where it has to end this certain way. I like the variety. Yay, 75-foot bank shots. This is the part. This is I'd the part rather where, that than a, than a game-winning bank three. This is, this, is, this is where I get in trouble like for, for being a curmudgeon right along the lines of not liking the T-shirt cannon, but enough of that. Um, I mean, who doesn't like the T-shirt cannon? Oh, this is like literally of anything I said in my book, that's the one thing people have harped on most is me expressing my hatred of the T-shirt cannon. That's, that's – yeah. I haven't gotten to that chapter yet. It's in the first damn um, chapter, Mo. Okay. <laughs> I haven't read the book yet, Seth. What do you want me to do? I'm busy. Um, okay. So a couple of bad news points, like least favorite things that I think we just kind of need to talk about. Uh, number one, Clay Thompson's not going to be back until after Christmas. We, we just found this out today. Um, and, and you know, that's a bummer. Uh, I was hoping to, that we were going to see him in like a week. Um, but you know, good things come to those who wait. And obviously this is the smart move. Now there's more injury news. And, and this one is a little bit more depressing than, than clay being delayed a few, few games. Zion Williamson is now out at least another four to six weeks. He had uh, an injection in his injured right foot to help with the healing process. The the Pelicans just announced this today as we're recording on Thursday. Um, you know, he suffered that broken foot during the offseason. 
obviously hasn't had a chance to condition, do basketball stuff. This is starting to feel like a lost season at this point. But I think that one of the bigger areas of concern um, beyond just Zion Williamson, human being who's hurt, is the shadiness that has sort of surrounded this entire injury process. And, and Mo, I, I just, it feels abnormal to be this in the dark about a guy suffering what looks like it could wind up costing him an entire season. Yeah, the problem is New Orleans started out the season this way, right? Like just being super, super secretive from the, the get-go with everything. And okay, you know, we're he, we, he's going to start by the regular season. Oh, no, I didn't say that. No, no. You know, it's like, yo, you said it on tape. It's come on, guys. Like, don't don't insult our intelligence. Just say, yo, you got it wrong. Then we have this setback and we don't even really fully hear what's a setback. It's a setback, but it's more like a delay. It's like this, like you're dancing around all of these things. And now we hear this. It's it's really frustrated in the point of like you're looking at all of this and it's just like, yo, just you got to start being straight up because the way the league's trending and gambling is going to become a thing. The injury report's going to matter. This stuff where we're, we're DraftKings is everywhere, FanDuel, BetMGM, everybody's getting tied into different um, uh, sports books and things like that. You, you're not going to get away with this. And they're not the only team that does this. You know, like, listen, San Antonio's very secretive with their reports and, and guys and, and injuries and stuff. And we don't get a ton of details with all of this stuff. But teams need to start understanding they're going to have to start coming clean with this. And, and, you know, like in the, the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. But like this is a problem in terms of transparency because now we start to wonder, well, what else are you not telling us? For me, this is, this is one of the, the disconnects between, you know, the bi- people not totally understanding the business they're in. This is, this is an entertainment thing and th- th- this kind of serious business cloak and dagger – like state secrets operation, like, okay, in the playoffs, like you don't want to, like a guy's got a hand injury. You don't want to let the opposition know. Guy maybe has a tweaked hammy. You don't want to let the That's fine. In the regular season, we know what this does is pisses your fans off. Pisses your fans off. Put your team on TV more than it should be because the guy's injured and then doesn't play. And then the whole time is talking about, you know, the whole broadcast is talking about how bad a season your team is. Like it's, I just, I, I really think this is not fully understanding that you're trying to make it entertaining for people and like having the rug pulled out from under you with these constant dribs and drabs of information when, you know, okay, the Clay Thompson situation, it's just taken him a little longer, but they've been pretty straight up with us. I feel like Golden State has throughout this whole process, but the, a number of teams are just like very tight-lipped about stuff that just doesn't – there's no benefit to them for doing so and all it does is make people mad. They show up at a game and somebody doesn't play and then you get like – this This happened like at the, the beginning of the load management era more. It's like I drove a thousand miles to see Steph Curry and he didn't play and just um, – and it's just all of a piece with that where you're just disrespecting the the viewer, the customer, the people who make it all go. And I think that there needs to be a recalibration to understand, you know, what your what the cost of that is weighed against the very minimal benefit of whatever the competitive advantage of secrecy is. And none of us are running the, hey, get Zion out there. No, get him out there when he's healthy with everything. Like, it's just a matter of like, yo, just be up front. And beyond. the secrecy thing, it doesn't matter. It's not really there. There are no secrets in the NBA. 
We have scouts that literally know everybody's playbook. You know, it's not even like there's no secrets in that sense. You have guys on Twitter yeah. that know everybody's playbook. You know, right. And it's, but it's like all of these things, like the play calls, all of that stuff. And it just come on, guys. Like you, we know when you're going to put your guys in your lineups and things like that. All of this, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense for for going about it this way and everything that they're doing with it. It's just not smart, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And, and again, it's it's unfortunate. It, it stinks for Zion. It stinks for us. Um, but the secrecy is just it just feels unnecessary. Launching a new segment this week because this draft class has so many good players, and it's impossible for us to feel like we really have a handle on all these guys. And so we wanted to approach this a little bit differently this season. Over the next few months, we're gonna check in on as many of the rookies as we possibly can with the folks that get to see them the most. And luckily, here at the Athletic, we happen to have some fantastic beat writers like James Edwards, one of the best in the business, who is a future Hall of Famer. I'm calling it now. Remember this in the future, okay? Because this week, we're going to talk about Cade Cunningham. James, welcome to Nerder. Thank you for that amazing intro. James, no No no, pressure. James, no pressure, (laughs) but how this conversation goes will decide whether you make it into the Hall of Fame in the future. Let me not stumble, let me not stutter. I got to just focus. I got to center myself, but thank you for having me. Big fan of the show. Big fan of all three of you. Seth, congrats on the book, man. I love it. And I love this pod too. So thanks for having me on. I think I've been on before, but it's been a while. So thanks for having me back. Yeah, you have. It has been a while. Well, you know, you're on basketball buds just about yeah, every we week. And so, time. you know, we, we I, yeah, I try to respect your time. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean. Airplanes. Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Uh, listen, Cade Cunningham was the number one pick in the draft. He he was one of the most highly touted prospects that we've had in recent mm-hmm. memory. Rookie season kind of starts out a little bit rough because he had that ankle injury, missed a bunch of games to start. And, and of course, you know how the, the discourse yeah. goes. But he's currently averaging 16 points, six rebounds, about five assists, 
on 38, 32, 83 shooting splits, which, you know, I'm not really worried about a rookie shooting numbers unless they're really, really bad. He doesn't have good players around him. It's tough. But James, right off the top, I just want to ask you, because you see him every single day. You see him in practice. You see him in mm-hmm. shoot arounds. What NBA skills does he have today? Like he is elite at yeah. what? I would say the overall numbers, uh, while obviously they, they tell the story of what he's done so far, are a little misleading just because of how good he's been the last seven games. Like if you just do the last seven games, which is about a month. So he, he didn't make his debut till October 19th. So if you look from like November 19th to now, he's been really good. Like talking averaging over 20, uh, 50 from the field, f- close to 50 from three. Once he kind of got that under his legs, got the NBA game. And I'm always like weirded, like not, I always side-eye people. And it's like, it takes a second for them to get adjusted. It truly does. And you saw it with Kay. I think he was perfect, like a perfect example of needing to learn the pace of the NBA game. Dwayne says it all the time, like, Missing the preseason and training camp, he wasn't. He didn't know about NBA how quick NBA closeouts are. He didn't really truly get to understand foot speed and how quick help comes and stuff like that. Like a month in, he really turned the corner. Uh, to answer your question, I think the shooting is real. Um, like I said, over the last seven or so games, he's been fifty percent from three. I don't think he's that good, but he's not as bad as the zero for twenty one start from three. I think Cade can comfortably be a high thirties, low forties three point shooter. Uh, as he settles. And then I'm actually, I'm going to be kind of issue an apology here. He's not, I think if there was one knock on Cade um, coming in, it was the lack of athleticism, lack of foot speed. You wondered if he could finish at the rim against NBA bigs and NBA length. And I think he, he struggled a little bit in summer league, but like lately the handle, the, the use of his body, he's been pretty good around the rim. Like I want to say, He's shooting about five shots a game in the restricted area and shooting like 55%, which isn't bad for a rookie who has athletic limitations. So I, I think that'll get better. The passing is good. The turnovers have been a problem, but they're not – they're not – he's trying to make plays. It's not like Russell Westbrook out of control stuff. It's bad decisions. He's trying to make plays. So I, I, he needs to tone, tone down the turnovers, but the shooting to me is legit. The playmaking is legit. And I've been very surprised as of late how he's finished around the rim. Does that match the uh, eye test for you guys, Mo? Does that sound about right? Yeah, no, I've it's it's funny because I kind of felt like after summer league, I was like, okay, he's going to start out slow. And that was before injury or anything like that. I just kind of was like, okay, this is a guy that's going to start out slow, but he'll slowly he'll he'll get going and. Listen, let's just be honest. <laughs> all opinions after Summer League are all reckless, but it just kind of played out the way I thought it might. And then the injuries, obviously, everything James said was right on. But the stuff I like about him is like I've been watching a lot of the, the close games that the Pistons have been playing, and it's he does the subtle things, getting into the defender's body and then going up with the shot, making it harder for the contestant, things like that. Like it's, it's, it's a lot of those small, subtle things mm-hmm. that I see from him that I'm like, yeah, He's going to be fine. Like, it's all those things. And you're seeing as we're talking, you know, the numbers are, are going up. He's having a great December. I just kind of pulled up those stats for, for the month of December in five games. 22 points on 43.6% from the field, 48.6% from three. We know that's inflated. That'll probably drop a little bit. You know, like, he's, he's doing a pretty good job 
with how he's playing. And I think it's just a matter of time. You know, I think he's he's ramping up and we're just going to see him get better and better, I think, as the season goes on. So the thing, Kate has been, going back to last year, has been sort of the, um, <laughs> almost the basketball hipster's favorite player. You know, it's, it's you don't just listen to the singles. You got to, you got to listen to the deep album cuts because his, he's not a guy who necessarily wows with highlights. It's just the, the, for people who are, who, thought he was thought highly of him as a prospect of which I was one. Um, it's sort of the, yeah. the continuous nature of sort of just the good plays he makes like, you know, the, a good rotation, uh, like moving the ball fast, taking an extra count here to get someone else open. Those kind of like subtle floor game things that um, are, are frankly are unusual for a player of his sort of, uh, of, of, of his rep coming in. Um, the only one who's a, who's sort of a different style of player, but the only one who in college kind of did the same thing for me uh, was, was Lonzo Ball. Um, and again, they're very different players, but just sort of the, the, well, that's a good play. I think that's, that's spot on. I what, on what, what would you say to that? Uh, first piece that I wrote after he came back was I was most impressed by his subtleties, kind of like what you guys were talking about, the waiting the extra second. This is very mature game, even defensively, like, knowing if his guy if his teammates not paying attention knowing to take the low man like there's a lot of subtleties and maturity in his game and of course he makes mistakes he's young but you can see as the mistakes he makes are common with young players but some of the mature plays he makes are very 10-year vet type type things and I agree with that um he's just got a different pace about his game one person was talking to me this he's not the exact same player but he kind of reminds me of Brandon Roy a little bit the, a point guard version of Brandon Roy, uh, just very smooth, a, a hipster's fa- a hipster's favorite player. Brandon Roy was very much that. Um, and if you know, you know, like that guy's nice. And I just think Kate is just going to be one of those guys. Like, if you know, you know. He's a B-side player. Is that what we're saying? He's an A-side <laughs> player. In order to know, you got you to gotta flip the record over to know what he's, he's all like about. like MF Doom or Andre 3000. Like people that listen to Outkast, they'll be like, Andre's the greatest rapper ever. But he's like, then there's like the main, he's never put an album out. It's like, you just listen, you know, he's the best. He might be the best rapper ever. He's like Andre 3000. <laughs> I put him into one more thing this week because he did something that was pretty impressive for me that I don't see even young guards doing. I don't even see a lot of veterans doing it. But he, against Washington, in an end-of-game situation, they run a hammer action. And Beal does a great job taking the baseline away. And instead of just picking up his dribble and forcing up some bad shot, he went to the probe dribble, you know, or or, or gnashed it, as we call it, and just kind of kept the play alive, dribbled underneath the rim. Jeremy Grant cuts. He hits Grant. Grant finds Stewart on the the dump-off because of all that. And it is that subtle. When we talk about like the small things of his game, like everybody's like, oh, wow, Mo got all excited about a dribble. You got damn right I did. It was a probe dribble. Yeah. It was something we don't see often and it's something you don't see often from rookies. They often make bad decisions. You know, he would have tried to force that pass to Beal or, or try to take a wild shot because his play didn't work out. He just stayed with it. And it's that kind of subtle stuff from him that I really like. And, and, and things from that, from Cade, where I'm like, this guy's got a lot of like, moving parts thinking very yeah, well and, and it's, Mo it's, it's in that video I actually I love that you pointed out that Trey Young kind of developed yeah. over the last few years and Cade coming into the league with it that's an advantage for him okay so we we know what he's already good at what does he need to work on first like what is the first level of improvement for him for you James yeah. I think this the most glaring one is the turnovers like he's a team high 3.7 3.6 
like I said, are there some that are just bad passes because he gets to the baseline and and he, he instead of doing what Mo said in the instance against Washington where he does just jump with the ball and has nowhere to go? There are a few of those, but you expect those. I think right now he's processing the game. It's so fast and everything's just been thrown at him. You see some kind of just uh, rookie turnovers, uh, but I think he'll clean that up. I think the other thing you want to see um, from him is get to the line. He's not getting to the line enough. Um and maybe it's because he's shooting the ball so well as of late, or he's just a smooth player. He'll step into those mid-range shots, and when he goes to the hole, he tends to finish. Uh, and maybe he's not getting rookie calls, but the free throw rate. And it was a, I think he only shot one free throw at Summer League. So it was a thing to talk about. He's not shooting very many. I can't remember the last time I remember seeing Kate at the line. Maybe it's probably been a few games, if I'm not mistaken. So that's something you want to see, for, especially if he's got – star potential written on him. You need those guys to get to the line. I think that that sort of ties in with something that, that I've thought, um, you know, Mo mentioned he's the guy who might take a while. And I think like getting, mm-hmm. he's, he's got a frame that looks like he'll add strength reasonably easily. And it seems like that's part of like the, the getting the finishing at the basket, getting to the line, because he's not a he's not an over the top athlete who's going to who's going to blow by guys. He's going to it's going to be much more in sort of the Luca Paul Pierce area where, you know, get his shoulder by, get his hip on you and make a play. And I think that that him getting a little stronger will allow him to kind of create the contact and absorb the contact and, and, you know, both finish at the rim and get, and get to the line a little more often. By I was listening to John Charks and, and Kyle Mann talk about this, actually, and, and that he sort of has a decision to make because he's not this next level mm-hmm. athlete. He might need to actually bulk up his body a little bit. To, and he's you know, vegan. So I wonder, I wonder about that. We've talked about that amongst us on the beat. Like, is that something that's they maybe try to change his mind on because he's not a high level athlete and you wonder where the pounds are going to come from. Got to at least go pescatarian out here. Come on. Come on, man. Need that protein. Need those omega-3s. Okay. Now, I do have a very specific thing. What is going on with him in the pick and roll? Because right now, and I'm looking at synergy for this, 0.62 points per possession in the pick and roll as a ball handler. Now, some of this is going to be context because his team is awful. I mean, really bad. Uh, And some of this is poor fit. Like, Isaiah Stewart, maybe not the greatest fit next to, to Cade, but what's happening in the pick and roll? Is it is it no, too noisy to tell right now, or is, are there subtle issues? Yeah, I think there are a few things. As much as I like Isaiah Stewart and think there is room for him to grow, right now, until he develops a perimeter game, he's not very similar to Cade. He's not an explosive athlete. Like you – I think there's only been one lob he's he's gotten in the last like seven games, and it was him and Killian recently. Like he's the, the lobs aren't there. Whether that's Isaiah, whether that's teams playing deeper, um, just playing naturally deeper defensively, and it's harder to get lobs. The team isn't shooting well as a group uh, outside of Frank Jackson and Cade. Nobody's really shooting uh, league average even from three. Um, it's I, I think it's it's a funky fit. I I think not having Kelly Olynyk hurts just to add a little different dynamic to the pick and roll game. Uh, I I like Isaiah. I think he can be a good player, but I think right now with his lack of perimeter threat and then not being an explosive athlete, he's kind of just there to set screens, and it kind of sometimes muddies things up. Yeah. So the, my one question about this, and th- Dave, this is probably no way for us to answer, and this is kind of me sure an- being annoyed about synergy. 
I'd, I'd like to see what that, it's that's been fair. the last few yeah. weeks, the last yeah. month or so. You know, like that's there's 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 no way to kind of was this part of the struggle early on? Is it something now? I mean, everything he he's the pick and roll is not <laughs> right, built for success right. in Detroit. I think that's the one thing James has kind of has has kind of touched on. But I'd like to see maybe if it's if the numbers are a little bit better now that he's beginning to be a little bit more comfortable. And so if anybody from Synergy's listening, please, I give like, us I that option, all the time please. when I do stories, please. I will say the eye test pointed me in that direction. Okay, so it, no, it, it's fair. But, it's fair. But no, it's, part of that, the pick and roll has not been pretty in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a it's more of a roster situation right now. Uh, let me ask you: with, with Jeremy Grant, not going to be around for a while and potentially getting traded, uh, is this an opportunity for him to maybe be more aggressive? Because yes. he is the guy yeah. and only the guy? Yep. I think we saw it. I'm trying to remember Jeremy's first miss. What was the last home game? Was that Washington? Uh, let me pull that up really quick. Sorry. They That's all okay. blend together. The yeah. Nets. So, yeah. Um, Jeremy got hurt in the Pelicans game. And uh, Cade dropped 26 against the Nets. That was his first game. Uh, 18 shots. He's had a few more games with more higher shots. But you can definitely tell there was a, a, an assertiveness. Um, I think it's something that his teammates are happy and willing for him to step into that role. Um, I think the Pistons need it just to make sure that I think they're fairly confident with what they got, but just to continue to, to see that. Um, I definitely think that is something that you will see more as uh, Jeremy's couldn't be out for, for a good time. And if he plays in a Pistons jersey again. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Where would you rank Cade on the rookie ladder right now? Um, I know that this is a tricky question because you watch more Cade than you watch any of these other right. guys. Obviously, I think Mobley is kind of up on a tier by himself right now. Mm-hmm. You put Cade right behind him? I don't want to discredit the consistency of Scotty Barnes, to be fair. Um, again, Cade didn't have a preseason in a training camp and missed the first four games. So to be fair to him. So I'm going to just out of respect for Scotty and what he's done and even exceeding my expectations, I'm going to go with him at two, but I think I'll go two a Scotty to BK. Cade's really his last month has been impressive. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I said, you all all Seth, I mean, it, it, how are your rookie <laughs> tiers looking right now? It, am I on to something Mobley on a tier by himself and then Cade, Scotty Barnes? It, it's hard to it's hard to go any other way. Um, other, you know, you at some point you want to give give some, you know, uh, some respect that, yeah. to the, the start of the season that, that Franz Wagner's had. Uh, um, uh, Alfred Shingun has been has been limited, more limited minutes, but has been has been. I was going to just say that another hipster know, yeah, favorite. Gonna, speaking, speaking of, of, of oh hipster, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, screw that. Yeah, Waz so doesn't get no, no, credit no, no. for him. I was on him since no, summer. Waz hates him. Waz, Waz is all about the Shangoon hipster take. Oh, my oh, God. Well, of course. Waz is, Waz is <laughs> an anti-hipster <laughs> thing. Which anyways. is hipster. God damn. Oh. No, I would say that I would say that him like kind of, uh, you know, you, 
while you want to give sort of a little bit of a mulligan for the first bit of the season, you do have to, I, th- I think I agree with you that, you know, Barnes just kind of doing it the whole season. I think if we're talking about who we would kind of rather have going forward, um, then that becomes a much more interesting discussion. The, the one thing I'll say is Cunningham has more on yes. his plate than Barnes, right? Like he's got to do more. Than, than Barnes. And that's not taking anything away from Barnes. Toronto fans, put the pitchforks <laughs> away. Y'all better chill. But this is just, you know, it's, it's, that's kind of why I look at it. And I think Cunningham, at, as the season progresses, will surpass Barnes a little bit just because, again, Barnes has been great. He's been awesome. He's made some big shots, things like that. I think what you're, what I look at though is Cunningham has to actually create for everybody. He's got to set things up for guys. And that's part of what the package we're looking for from him. That we're not necessarily looking for from Barnes. I got along those lines. I have sort of one more question uh, for James. Um, this is sort. This was sort of the joke when uh, R.J. Barrett was coming in the league. Man, I can't wait to see him with NBA spacing. And then after his first season with the Knicks, I just can't wait to see him. So it's like coming out of his, uh, you know, a very limited and a limited in a very specific way team for Oak State <laughs> last year. There was like, okay, can't wait to yeah. see, you know. What Kate does with NBA talent, uh, what it's still still kind of waiting. Um, what what do you think the skill sets that the Pistons should prioritize to just you know open things up, take advantage of his skills, and make things yeah. while making things easier for him? No, that's a great question. I think continuing to add shooting. Uh, I think it's Pistons are not a good basketball team. They were not expected to be good, but they would I would say have a few more wins if Sadiq Bay was even 80% of what he was as a rookie. Um, and I'm not even like, he, right now he's at a point where he's trying to develop the rest of his game, and that's fine. That's I have no problem with the struggles that come with that because you want to see what he can be. But he's not even shooting the ball well. And this is a guy that shot 45% from three in college, a guy who damn near broke every rookie record from three-point last year. And he's just he's just really struggled this year. So I think that's hurt them. That's one spacer that's that's kind of been non-existent. I think a rim-running, just vertical threat, uh, would help Kate a lot. Um, just somebody that you can put the ball in in an awkward space, and that person can go go up and get it. A guy that can just just a guy that again, I like Isaiah Stewart a lot, but that's not what he is right now, and I'm not sure he'll ever be an above the rim uh, lob threat. But I do think that would help Cade. Um, I, I, just not talk about trades. One trade: if the Pistons do trade Jeremy Grant, um, one. One guy I would look at, and it wouldn't help. It would still allow them to get a high pick. It might make them a little better. I would like a Jeremy Grant, Miles Turner swap. That's interesting. That helps both sides. What about Ben Simmons? I know that everyone is averse to having a guy who can also handle the ball be there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, man. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure how it works, but it's at least interesting to me. And it would require Ben Simmons to accept a role as secondary ball handler, which is basically what he is anyway. But mm-hmm. I, I think from a defensive as a role man, I, I just I, I I do see some utility there, especially with Kelly Olynyk, right? Like yeah. if you if those are your two bigs, that works. Yeah, I think there is a way in which it works. I think from a what Troy Weaver's trying to build, I don't know if Simmons is that guy that he would go after naturally, but I do think there is a world in which it works. I mean, as much as I don't want to cover Ben Simmons, I'm just gonna <laughs> say it frankly, Ben, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I just I he is a good player. Like I know we all crack jokes, we call him two five on on buds. He's a good player. 
Um, he would help most teams, if not all teams. Uh, I just don't know if I'm the Pistons and you're finally going to have some cap space coming up, a good amount. You have a chance at another top pick to pair with K. Do, do you mess with that? And then more so than my, obviously more him and Miles and Jeremy make the same money, Ben would mess with that. And I don't know if you want to build, have a foundation built on Ben Simmons if you're Detroit. I do appreciate that Seth is making a face that makes it seem like he doesn't hate the idea. You do it all day. If you can trade yes. Jeremy Grant for Ben Simmons, why are you why are you <laughs> not on hold with the league office now? To just, just like you know, auto like set one of those auto dialer up. So whenever they get, it, like, <laughs> whenever the line gets unbusy, he's like, yes, no, we'll call it and do it now. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Ben. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. But no, I, I I see what you're saying, but it's just it's like, you know, it, it, this, this is this is this is bigger than the Pistons. This is off. Well, we're saving cap space and all this and that. Yeah, you're saving cap space to upgrade talent, and this is we're we're yeah. putting a massive talent upgrade yeah. on a plate. Anyway, I do I'm, understand I'm the fit concerns, here, but that it's I, I like, do understand the fit like concerns, and, so we and you don't want to yeah. limit well, Cade's development by potentially having a fit like that. That that could go absolutely the wrong way. What's wrong with putting like I you know there's this aversion to putting multiple high field players together, and it's like the, those skill limit like the difference between you know there there are similar physical limitations mm-hmm. from Isaiah Stewart and Kelly Olynyk, but just like the off the difference in offensive feel means that Olynyk presumably will be a much smoother offensive fit with Cade right. than Stewart is. Now I'm not saying he's a better player or whatever, but it's but then Simmons is like that, but like massively better. I think, so what what's the problem? Yeah. Here, here are my things. And and my my dog wanted to jump into this part of the conversation. Um, the the thing is who cares about cap space? There are yeah. no free agents to sign right now. Right, like there's so so that's part of it in, in in that calculus. On top of that, the 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 issue of you have a draft pick that's owed to Oklahoma City that has several protections all the way through. You know, you gotta at some point you're you, you, this is almost a draft pick in picking up Simmons. You know, in that sense, and making up because eventually you're gonna lose that pick and it's gonna go to OKC. Now, hopefully, you you it's it's not as bad. You know, like it won't be a uh, top two pick that goes to OKC or things like that. Hopefully, Pistons will be better at that point. But this kind of almost right. expedites that because with Simmons, I think you have a better opportunity there. You know, so I'm not. I'm actually not against it for Detroit. Yeah, it might not be for Philly. I, and and honestly, I think that a lot of the, the fake ben Simmons <laughs> trades, you wind up saying, "Ooh, I don't love it for Philly." Right, like because yeah. Ben Simmons is really good. I do like that we have surprised ambushed James with trying to force his hand on a to Detroit article. <laughs> and I look forward to reading that over at The Athletic. Guys, if you subscribe to The Athletic, follow James. Listen, he is one of the best sports writers in America. I don't care that he's sitting here in front of me and I'll embarrass him. Uh, he's fantastic. He's so creative. Just does great work. If you haven't already subscribed, go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and do it now. Thanks to James for joining the show. Thanks to Seth and Mo, as always. Uh, I'm Dave DeFore. This has been Nerdishy Wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. Read James' uh, article.